I wonder if either Peter or Paul grew up imagining visiting Rome, much less dying violent deaths there. Peter, as a young man, was known as Simon or Simeon. He grew up in Galilee, probably the son of a fisherman named Jonah. One imagines Jonah taking his sons up to Jerusalem once every year, which is what was required of them. Simon and Andrew, they seem to have been raised not only to be devout, uh, but actually to have a great desire for God's kingdom, a restoration of the prerogative of God's holy people, the Jews. So these weren't empty gestures when they went up to Jerusalem. I say this because we know that they were among the disciples of John the Baptist, before John sent Andrew after Jesus, and Jesus formally called them away from their fishing nets. So one wonders what burned in the heart of young Simon that attracted him to this wild prophet in the desert. It must have been some of that same native energy that made him uh, the most outspoken and impetuous of the apostles. St. Paul, or Saul, as he was known in his youth, also grew up very devout. In fact, his family, uh, we know, was educated, and they went to great expense to send him to study the Torah in Jerusalem. He was considerably younger than Simon, probably 15 or 20 years younger. But like Simon, he was a fiery character, and perhaps he was less drawn to John the Baptist. He would have been old enough to be a disciple of John. But uh, for whatever reason, he didn't choose that option. But maybe that's because, uh, as one, a student in Jerusalem, the sort of countercultural critique of the establishment that John was offering was less uh, attractive. After all, Paul was, or Saul, was the disciple of the uh, very respectable Gamaliel in Jerusalem. Now, when this movement around the resurrected Jesus began to grow, Saul poignantly did not follow his teacher's advice. We know from the Acts of the Apostles that Gamaliel counseled patience and caution when dealing with the Christians. But Saul was patently impatient. It is surely interesting that the two great pillars of the Roman church were zealous men who often acted before they thought. While they were so different in many ways in culture, education, and age, the scriptures draw many interesting parallels. I'd like to offer three of them. The phrase flesh and blood appears connected with both, but in a negative or inverted way. So Jesus tells Peter that flesh and blood did not reveal to him Jesus' identity. Rather, his father did, Jesus' father in heaven. This is a work of grace and not of human origin. And similarly, after Jesus revealed himself to Paul, he tells us that he did not need to consult with flesh and blood. This is Paul saying this now. This was another work of grace. It was a revelation. It's something that human beings could not have controlled. The second parallel I'll just mention is that they both had a great capacity for friendship, and this undoubtedly uh, is why they, were, they ended up being leaders in the church. But the third parallel is important for all of us today, and that is that this work of grace is one that's connected to a personal transformation, a conversion. It's easy to see in Paul's case, right? I already connected it to his conversion, that he was converted on the road to Damascus. And 
this was a, a work of grace, not of flesh and blood, and it changed him. He was no longer persecuting the Christians. But it's there for Peter, too. Peter, we seek oftentimes in the gospel, thinking that his intuitions, his ideas were correct, right? He could rely on his own strength, flesh and blood. He's going to follow Jesus to the death. His own native reasoning is better than God's plan. We don't need the crucifixion. That's okay. So he tries to counsel Jesus against going up to Jerusalem and swore that if it does come to that, uh, I will die with you. And yet when flesh and blood of Peter himself, the man, and the crowd around Jesus, when this became a violent mob, Peter didn't have the strength to resist it. And instead he lied about his association with Jesus. And he was a broken man. Yet in both cases, Jesus allowed Peter to experience his weakness and Paul his failure. This was because he wanted to offer them a new identity, a different perspective, one that confounded their inclinations and their self-delusions. There was nothing less likely to succeed than the early church, and yet it did, precisely because the early Christians learned not to rely on flesh and blood. It wasn't a power struggle. It wasn't who was the smartest, who had the best ideas. The odds that the early church faced were immeasurably less favorable from a human perspective than the difficulties we face in the church today. Yet I suspect that we are more apt to turn to sociological studies, focus groups, uh, all these sorts of things, flesh and blood ideas, you know, when we try to address these challenges. We want expert opinions and and, uh, we want to ask around and get information and data. I think we fear oftentimes being shown that we're actually weak and mistaken. Yet, it is in weakness that we can be strong because then we rely on Jesus Christ. We can be strong with Peter and Paul, the great pillars of the Roman Church. Let us pray today especially that our leaders in the Church may learn the secret of authority in the Holy Spirit, that of being broken open in weakness. And may we all, with Paul, resolve to know nothing other than Jesus Christ and him crucified.